Screw it, screw it, we're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. Welcome to Screw It, we're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. Uh, I'm your host, Kevin Hines, with me uh, is the other host. Uh, Will Hines, that's me. Yeah, and this is the podcast where we talk about the first... Uh, issues of Amazing Spider-Man by the original creators, Stanley and Steve Ditko. That's including the Amazing Fantasy 15, his first appearance, as well as the first two annuals in the 38 initial issues of the Amazing Spider-Man. I think that's a great idea for a podcast. I'm good. You did it. You made that podcast. <laughs> um, and this episode, we're going to do Amazing Spider-Man issue number four, fe- featuring the debut of the Sandman. Yeah, this is a big, uh, a big villain. Yep. Um, and this guy, uh, uh, we haven't even gotten into it yet, but I think Sandman's very interesting because for a while he's very much a big Spider-Man villain. He currently is considered a very big Spider-Man villain, but in between that, for a long time, he was like a Fantastic Four villain. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like oh, after, yeah. I remember you were telling me that. Yeah. He I spends about like that. the late 60s, early 70s, basically just facing the Fantastic Four. He becomes part of the Frightful Four and is, uh, faces Johnny Storm a lot in Strange Tales. Oh, weird. He sort of just took him away from Spider-Man for a while. He's a weird villain because um, he's extremely powerful. And I I think also like, but, but, uh, you know, he can like turn to sand or whatever or turn to rock. But he's also just like a common thief. Like he loves just like robbing stuff. I think a lot of Spider-Man's villains, uh, the the ones I think about are sort of just like that. They're sort of like punks. Yeah. Uh, They're thugs. Yeah. Uh, Like there's very few that are like with designs on world conquest like the Fantastic Four have like lots of guys who are just like we're going to destroy the world we're going to destroy the city a lot of Spider-Man's guys are just like I want to make a few bucks yeah, and they're not you're not always so great on like giving them like emotional backstories too like uh, you know the heroes the Marvel heroes they have secret identities that have like full personalities like Tony Stark is different than Peter Parker is different than like Donald Blake or something like that but Sandman Vulture Electro, these guys just want to steal stuff. You know, they're, they're, just, they're just into getting bags of money. This one's some. <laughs> this one's some cash. Uh, yeah, I think it's why like Spider-Man has a great rogues gallery of villains, but arch nemesis wise, only a few guys really stand out as like like uh, uh, these are the guys he needs to face off to. You know, it's like why the, when they made a movie, Green Goblin was the villain, and then Doctor Octopus. It's like after those two. Even, yeah. like, I guess Venom is personal, but most of his characters are just, like, crooks. And so you have to give them some sort of, like, movie epic threat level. Yeah. I think Venom is a great villain. And actually, he does have a good backstory since he's emotionally connected to our hero. I mean, I like Venom a lot. I think he's too complicated. Um, <laughs> he's, he's a lot to explain. Because, yeah, the costume being connected to Peter Parker, if you could somehow remove that part from his origin and just make... Venom, a character that existed on his own mm. uh, without having to, like, spend a story explaining Spider-Man having an alien costume. Yeah. Uh, it just would make him so much easier to, to tell in a two-hour story. Well, Sandman is um, got a – he's nice and simple for sure. us. He just likes to rob stuff. That's right. He's one of these guys, though, where his powers are so insane that, like – okay, so, you know, Steve Ditko, the artist, I believe, he would he would often be the guy who designed the villains um, – and I, this is another villain where the visuals are great, like a guy who can be part solid and part flowing sand. Yeah. Uh, Ditko yeah. loves drawing like fluid, amorphous things. And Sandman gives you lots of opportunities to do that. But his powers are nuts. Like, does he just, if I separate him into a million separate bags, is he a million separate consciousness or 
is he like a Borg where they're all related? Can he incorporate new sand? I don't know. Like some scientist needs to dig in on Sandman, I think. I mean, this stuff all gets explored in later non-Ditco issues, so we won't really get into it. Because he's definitely gotten to the point where I think he can absorb more sand and get bigger, which I don't – Kevin Hines doesn't love. Uh, I like him just being man-sized. I don't want to make him bigger. I don't think that's interesting. His power set is so fun and unique. Making it bigger doesn't do much for me. And I like the Ditko decision to make these guys always wearing the same clothes. Like Sandman's always wearing the same green shirt and brown pants. Yeah. And and I wonder if that's like if he could make his clothes look like anything because he can also just look like a pile of sand. So he sort of has color control over his sand. Yeah. I also like Sandman's face is sort of scratchy drawn. Like his face looks like it's made of sand. Yeah, no, I I love his look is great. Like Ditko villains always look both weird, but also kind of cool. I love. And also Ditko hair. Ditko's got the strangest hair. The hair is not like anything you've seen anywhere in real life, (laughs) but it works on the page. Yeah, no, it looks great. But it's it's definitely like, well, I don't know. I don't know what the real life model for this guy's hairstyle is. But uh, even the cover uh, of this issue is it's maybe one of my favorite covers, even though it's it's so strange because it's four panels. Yeah, it's a little story. Uh, but I love it because you get to see Sandman doing a bunch of different stuff. Uh, you see like Spider-Man reaching for him and Sandman just not existing, like pulling his yeah. hand away from him. You see yeah. what I think is always the classic pose of like Spider-Man with his fist through the center of Sandman. Right, right. That's that's the that's the iconic Sandman defense. Let the guy's fist go right through you. Yeah, and you get to see all of that on this cover, which I think is really fun. Like this cover, it I does look good. Um, it does look good. Sandman's a great villain. This is a great issue, but um, he, th- there's a lot of instances of Sandman just saying his name. Like the cover, he's. The of the you know the the cover like you said has four panels. The fourth panel is Sandman like drenching his sand form all over Spider Man, and he's saying, "See why I'm called the Sandman." Yeah, and I uh, I like this issue a lot. There's there's a lot of that in this issue where his name is said kind of unnecessarily, and it's I like this issue a lot. It's definitely a step down from issue three with Doc Ock, uh, which is feels flawless to me. This one feels like a there's some goofy parts. Yeah. Um, and I guess we'll get into that in a second. Um, also the cover has him demonstrating his abilities in the, in the issue. He demonstrates his abilities for Spider-Man. There's a lot of like Sandman just kind of taking a moment and just showing you his range of abilities. I know. I know you you make fun of that. I love it. I love that sequence. (laughs) I love watching Spider-Man discover what this guy can do, even though it doesn't make sense it, for him to like step Spider-Man through it. It's really fun. Yeah. It's a fun read. It, it is fun. No, I'm, I'm glad it happened. It just, it's, it just stands out a little bit. It's sort of like bond villains explaining their plan. It's like helpful for the story, but it ends up looking kind of silly. Yeah. Um, but you know, this is, this is another time where I remember that Marvel comics is only really just now becoming a full superhero company. And you know, just a few months ago, certainly a year before this issue came out, they were a monster sci-fi Twilight Zone, Tales from the Crypt ripoff company. Yeah, and yeah. So something like the Sandman would be presented as sort of a horrific creature you would meet uh, that would haunt you. So I think there's still a little bit of that in the muscle memory of these guys making these stories, where it's like I'm, 
what, you know, what if you ran into somebody like this, what would you do? I would sort of say at this point, this is where Marvel is a superhero company, even though they've been doing superhero comics for uh, almost a year and a half now. Yeah. Um, Fantastic Four is on issue uh, 18. So that's a year and a half. Exactly. That's very established. Um, Thor has been around a year. Mm. Um Spider-Man has been around a year, though he's only on his fifth comic. Um, right. And this is also the month where X-Men and Avengers debut. Oh, yeah. So we're we're really solidly Marvel Comics now. Yeah. And I mean, that basically means they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight monthly superhero comics now. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, that's, uh, a big, that's a big change since Amazing Fantasy 15 was out. They're all monthly. And I forgot to mention this last podcast, uh, Doctor Strange debuted in July, and he shares the title with... Human Torch. Right. So Doctor Strange is Steve Ditko's other huge Marvel character. Yeah. Drawn by Steve Ditko, written by Stan Lee. And what huge sounds like an overstatement. I don't know if he was ever a huge hit. I sort of feel like Strange Tales was carried by Human Torch for a long time. Well, huge for Ditko's contribution. Yeah. Basically, Ditko's resume at Marvel is Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. And then he did some issues of the Hulk and, what, Machine Man and Rom Space Knight? Those guys are way later on, though. Yeah. So, like... 60s Ditko, that's Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Yeah, and Hulk, a little bit of Hulk. A little, little dash of Hulk for you. I like I like when he draws Hulk. I like I, I love Kirby's Hulk and I love Ditko's Hulk. They're very different and they're both great. Yeah. We got to do a Hulk podcast. I got, right, I, got we'll a start. Lot, I got a lot to say about the Hulk. <laughs> yeah, you were a big Peter David fan. I yeah, remember, that's where I got hooked on the Hulk, Hulk and then I kind of went back and read a lot of everything else. Hulk's a weird one. Uh, he's a weird character to be so popular like it, it's a it's a weird person hero you know a, a monster who's out of control and probably in real life would be murdering people all the time by mistake yeah. i know that doesn't happen in the comics but like it's just strange to have like frankenstein be your hero basically marvel comics or, or mr high they, they wrestle hero. with what kind is the hulk a real threat or is he just somebody who like breaks buildings a lot is he a property yeah. damage threat or is he actually killing people by accident yeah and they kind yeah. of wrestle with that, whether that's true or not, a lot of the time. Yeah. He's, I mean, the Hulk's very interesting. Like, he has been gone for a few months. He's been showing up in FF stories, uh, Fantastic Four stories. And this month he shows up in the Avengers as a founding member, but he's only on that team for, like, a few issues. Right. And but then, he's a big hit, man. People love the Hulk. Yeah. It'll be a while before he comes back into his own title, which I think he shares. Uh, he splits the title with either Iron Man or Captain America. I forget which. Come Halloween time, I always like to see what costumes kids have. And there's always kids dressed as the Hulk. Like, peop- they just, you know, growling and, like, making their muscles and stuff like that. Yeah. The Hulk's um, great. He's, like, the Hulk's one of the best parts of the current Marvel Universe. And he doesn't even have his own movie series. Yeah. He just shows up uh, in the Avengers and he showed up in the recent Thor. And it's fun. He's really fun. Yeah. He's a great hero to show up in other people's books. And that's true, yeah. Because he's so strong. Didn't um, Wolverine debut in the Hulk? Yeah, Wolverine debuted in the Hulk. Uh, I think the Spider-Man versus the Hulk issue that we'll get to later is really fun. That's a Green Goblin story, but Spider-Man fights the Hulk <laughs> in that issue. That's great. Um, I say Hulk is good. That's the stance of this podcast. Yeah, we, we are pro-Hulk. So, uh, all right, let's talk about the issue we have here. So we got the Sandman. That's right. Um, so what are some unique things about this? So the art, as always, Steve Ditko's art is great. And this is a great villain for him to draw. Like like I said before, he loves drawing things where there's like, I don't know, either liquid or smoke or like just f- flowy something, you know. Yeah. And uh, Sandman with his like big turning into flowing sand, Ditko has a blast with that. Yeah, it's a, be- it's a beautiful issue or parts of it are beautiful. 
That's all good. Parts of it are just above and beyond what we. Splash seen. page is great. The splash page I love shows the Sandman page so much wielding a big bag of money. <laughs> yeah, big dollar sign but, on it. Yeah. And um, Spider-Man punching through him in vain and Sandman drenching him in sand. It's also the background is split between a scene where there's a bunch of cops shooting at Sandman and then also a high school kids watching him since part, you know, part yeah. of this issue takes place in a high school. That splash face is a great representation of this entire story. This is, that is what the story is. It's half on the streets, half in the school, Spider-Man fighting him at seemingly... Uh, a futile battle, futile. Um, this opening page, this opening sequence is so funny and great. I, I, I think this is like, I never know who for sure came up with what, whether it's like Stan Lee or Steve Ditko, but this first page feels like a Stan Lee idea to me. The first two pages are very interesting to me uh, compared to Doc Ock's first two pages where Spider-Man is stopping those guys from wheeling the safe away. Yeah. Uh, but it established <laughs> that Spider-Man was confident and cocky and couldn't be stopped. Right. Uh, where this one establishes some stuff, but nothing that's really important to the, the Sandman fight. It reminds us that Spider-Man doesn't have it easy. Yes. You know, it's like a character thing. Like, you know, Superman is loved and respected all over Metropolis. The Fantastic Four are loved all over New York. But Spider-Man can't catch a break. Yeah. Uh, so, so we basically see him. There's a bunch of thugs breaking into a jewelry store. That's right. And Spider-Man easily ties them up and stops them. Yeah. But then one of the thugs realizes they hadn't yet committed a crime. I mean, these thugs take his webs off very easily, too. Yeah. It's a huge advantage that these webs didn't stick to them. He dropped their webs on them like rope. Yeah. He didn't do the usual bind them up like flies. So yeah. I, I love this one dude. The, the main criminal shouts at Spider-Man, the only fight I'll put up is in court. I'm suing you for assault and battery, and I got witnesses to prove it. And then Spider-Man is totally affected by this. Yeah, he's, he's right. right. I was a fool. Uh, I should have waited till they broke into the store. Now I have no evidence. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then you have a funny scene where the thugs are calling for the police to come and arrest Spider-Man because he basically assaulted them when they hadn't done anything yeah. yet. He's just standing there watching. Spider-Man is surrounded by guys calling for help. And he's just standing watching going, uh-oh. Uh then a cop shows up and Spidey books it. Spidey takes off. Yeah. And he's right. The cop wants to uh, wants to fill out a report. I, yeah, Stanley Mar Marvel Comics does a great job of like making the real world come in in fun ways. Um, decades later, in the '80s, when we were kids reading Spider-Man comics, there's the Peter David written issue Spidey in the Suburbs, um, where Spider-Man has to chase somebody out to Long Island, and at some point he's driving a car, and and he has the thought when he goes, "I never thought how ridiculous I'd feel driving a car in this costume." Yeah, just him walking around. Because he can't swing. <laughs> he just looks yeah, like, like an idiot. run down the street. They bring a little and, bit of that, I think, into the Spider-Man Homecoming movie that just came out. Yeah. There's moments where he's like just running around and he, the costume looks sillier outside of yeah. New York City. So they do a good job of like making reality come in at convenient times. And Stanley loves paperwork jokes. Like, <laughs> you got, I got to fill out a report. Where's your name and address? Yeah. I mean, I think Spider-Man is just afraid of paperwork when it comes down to it because he runs fast. Yeah, he just... He doesn't want to fill out forms. Um, but we see the cops are on Spider-Man's side. That's another That's another sort of sub-game in the old Spider-Man books is J. Jonah Jameson, the newspaper publisher, is against Spider-Man. There are many civilians who take J. Jonah Jameson's side of fearing Spider-Man, but the cops are always pretty much on Spider-Man's side. Yeah. They see that they're on the streets. They see Spider-Man helping them all the time. They don't trust J. Jonah anymore. They always have doubts. They're like, he seems okay. That's sort yeah. of their take on him always. Yeah. 
So Spider-Man escapes from this, and we see him looking at a J. Jonah Jameson billboard, which yeah, is titled like, the Spider-Man Menace. I love that panel. He's sort of sitting on the roof of the building, like, wiping his brow. He looks so defeated by yeah. these uh, idiot crooks. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so he, he blames J. Jonah. And he's probably right. And we see him stop by J. Jonah Jameson's office to confront him, but J. Jonah's not there. Spider-Man says, well, I'll leave a little souvenir for him. We don't know what that is yet. And then he heads back into the city and spots our main villain, the Sandman. Yeah. Uh, I like also that this story starts uh, with a Sandman. Uh, I guess the Vulture story was this way, too. This feels almost like a 10-pager where the Sandman just exists. Spider-Man's already heard of him. Yeah. But this is his first appearance. Uh, uh, but Spider-Man says, the Sandman, I heard of you. I thought the reports were just a gag. Yeah. So this is like an established villain who's been on a crime spree for a while. Yeah, uh, even though we, the readers, haven't met him yet. Yeah. Really throws us into it. Makes it feel like stuff is always going on in this Marvel universe. So now Sandman goes through a little demonstra- demonstration of his power. You know, Sandman looks like a Dick Tracy villain is what he looks like. Like the square yeah. head and the sort of kind of slightly grotesque features. Yeah, definitely in the last panel on page four, he's got like a Dick Tracy chin. He's sort of jutting out to let yeah. Spider-Man punch him to prove how yeah. rock hard he can become. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Sandman should do a Viagra ad. Uh, he'd make so, a lot um, of money. Yeah. You want to be rock hard like the Sandman. Um, so here he is demonstrating his abilities to Spider-Man. He like, you know, disintegrates to dust. Then he reforms, lets Spider-Man punch through him, but he can also make himself very solid. So it hurts to be for Spider-Man to punch him. And, uh, then he like, then Sandman rips Spider-Man's mask, making Peter Parker have to run away. Yeah. He knocks him down and his mask is ripped off. And Spider-Man is in shock. I love. I also love the way uh, Ditko draws Peter's face, kind of coming out of the mask. Yeah. Um, and he has this another one. Of, he has these every once in a while. Peter Parker has these sort of fantasy sequences where he imagines he's, everything going wrong. Right. So he's imagining how bad it would be if people had his new secret identity. J. Jonah Jameson humiliates him. He like goes all to these jail. floating Jameson heads in his fantasy. Yeah. And his beloved Aunt May is on the street selling shoelaces. Yeah, for 10 cents. Oh. I mean, I I one time had to go out looking for shoelaces and they were hard to find. Um, so I kind of wish Aunt May somebody was on the street. Um, so he's scared to catch Sandman with a ripped mask and he runs away. Uh, Sandman assumes he's a coward. Everyone's always assuming Spider-Man's a coward. Marvel Comics, anytime a Marvel comic hero runs, Everyone immediately jumps to conclusion. Well, you're now a coward. You've always been a coward, and I've proven it. <laughs> we see Sandman easily rob a bank using his powers. He can slip in, pick locks, get into the vault. Meanwhile, Peter's at home trying desperately to sew his mask. This is a big problem for him. Yeah, he's not a seamstress, and though he made this costume. He made the whole costume in one night, but just fixing the mask is going to be something that really sets him back in this issue. Yeah, all of a sudden, uh, Stanley's like, Peter would be bad at sewing, so from now on, he's going to regret, he made, like, he's gonna regret the, how complicated he made this costume. Yeah. They do a good job of making that a joke in the movies. Like, the costumes he makes himself tend to be kind of lame, and then later they get good. Yeah. Um, he did that in the very first Spider-Man movie and in this recent Homecoming. Yeah, he doesn't even one. make his costume, any, the good version now anymore. Right. There's some logic to that. How could a kid in Queens do that? I mean, I don't uh, know how anyone could do it. Those costumes, I mean, I don't, even the greatest seamstress, I'd be like, you can't do this. 
Too yeah. many web lines. Um, uh, Peter watches the news. The news very conveniently explains the origin of the Sandman, which like 90% of all 60s Marvel characters is because he got exposed to radiation. Yep. And that's it. Uh, which well, he just got exposed to radiation while standing on some sand, I guess. While standing on sand. And he got turned into a Sandman. Yeah. Um, Nobody dies from nuclear weapons in Marvel Comics. They just get changed. Uh, it's a great old uh, Onion story in the um, Onion's... News of the century or whatever. Our first dumb, our dumb century yeah. where they pretend to have onion issues from throughout the 20th century. And the one of the 60s onion newspapers is like Peter Parker, young high school student, dies of leukemia after being bitten by a radioactive spider. Yeah. And I think they mention uh, <clears throat> Bruce the Banner. Fantastic Four Fantastic dying. Four all oh, yeah. Dying. Bruce Banner also. And just all these people dying of radiation poisoning. Um. Okay, so, yeah, Parker's trying to fix his mask. That's a whole thing. Yeah, it's like three pages. <laughs> we cut to the Daily Bugle. J. Jonah Jameson sits in his chair, and there's webbing waiting for him, so he's stuck there, which is humiliating. We meet Betty Brant. His I mean, this is the secretary. first thing that Spider-Man has done that sort of make, means he deserves J. Jonah hating him. Yeah, this is the first bad thing he's done to J.J.J. Yeah. Only, now uh, there's blood on everybody's hands. The only That's other thing think. he's done to JJJ is save his son's life. Right. Um, but this is this is a metaphor for the Middle East. Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. Everybody's everybody's starts to do things wrong to the point where it's hard to point fingers yeah. after. Who a while. knows where it started? Yeah. Uh, we meet Betty Brandt, J. Jonah Jameson's secretary, um, who will become a love interest later. But right now she's just. Um, a woman in a Marvel comic story, which is not a fun role to have. Yeah. Uh, she's just a secretary. I mean, I guess we she's retroactively a young secretary because she eventually dates a high school boy. Right. Um, but right now she looks like she's older than Peter Parker significantly. She looks like she could be like a young wife sort of yeah. person. Uh, but yeah, she's very nice to Peter Parker. Parker's come asking for an advance, and this is the first time we learn that JJJ is not just – an angry Fox News style uh, agenda pushing newspaper uh, publisher. He's also a cheapskate. Yeah. I mean, not giving an advance to Peter doesn't feel that cheap, but he gets so angry about it. An advance? Are you kidding? <laughs> what do you do with this money? Eat it? This is a business, <laughs> not a charity. Uh, I mean, Peter Parker is a freelance photographer. You wouldn't get an advance. That's true. Um, That's but realistic. Later on in this issue, J. Jonah is even more skin flinty. So, Spider, they're starting to have more. The humor of Spider Man is really starting to show up more in this issue. Yeah, like Aunt May has made Peter Parker carry an umbrella all day to make him look extra humiliated. J. Jonah Jameson sitting in some webbing. Yeah, nobody. It's not, to, it's not raining. Uh, nobody else has an umbrella or rain hats or rain boots, but Peter Parker holds an umbrella for the entire issue. Yeah. Uh, he has to bring in a pair of pants to Joe Jonah Jameson because JJJ's pants are ripped on the wedding webbing. So Parker's bringing in a pair of pants is funny. Like, yeah, I love that panel. Um, just the the image of like J. Jonah's smoke puffing off his cigar, standing without <laughs> pants on, and Peter very seriously just handing him the trousers while having this discussion. Um, uh, even the, even the conversation's very funny. Oh, it's you, eh? Did you bring me any new pictures? No, Mister Jameson. Uh, I've been sort of busy with my studies, but here's a pair of pants. Yeah. Yeah, they're starting to the we're we're adding in some of the fun stuff that we really associate with Spider-Man. The the funny stuff starting to come in here. So then he goes to high school and he's thinking, well, I gotta take pictures after school to make some money. And we and he forgot 
that he'd asked Liz Allen on a date, which is a huge reveal for me, the reader. Yeah. Not only did he ask her out, she said yes. Yeah. I remember reading this as a kid and being like, he asked out the most popular girl in school and she said yes and we didn't get to see it. We didn't see that moment. I mean, basically, yeah, she asked out Flash Thompson's girl. That's a gutsy move. And he's Flash is sort of upset about it, but not really angry. I mean, they seem like they're a steady couple, but I guess they must not be uh, because he's just sort of he's just sort of stunned by the knowledge that she would date Peter Parker, not that she would date somebody else. Well, this is Stan Lee's version of what teenagers do, which is like they go on dates. It's a very organized, formal affair where you schedule dates on different nights and you can go out with different people and everybody just understands that that's allowed. But Peter breaks the date because he's got to go take photographs, which is a power move. If you ask me, (laughs) it's a real (laughs) neg. He's a real uh... Spider-Man is really it's the rules. You know that book, the rules. Um, Peter Parker is following the rules. He negs Liz Allen. Yeah, I mean, he, and she does. By the end of this issue, she seems like she likes him a little bit more. Yeah. So um, it worked. Good job, Stanley. And this you is really, really the first women's the rights back in every way. Yeah, they like to be negged. Um, they like, you know, they were, they treat him badly and they come running. Um, they're all secretaries. I mean, a lot of a lot about the Marvel Comics world of the 60s. I mean, the adventure part is so good. The characters are so good, but sort of like the real world is so weirdly described. Um, this is the first time we really see his high school interactions, though. Yeah, they've. it's almost always just been a crowd of kids acting as one. Yelling at him. And they're starting yeah. to get distinct personalities. Liz is different than Flash. Yeah. Uh, but we cut back to Sandman. He's doing great. Sandman is just running riot over the whole he's city. He's great, no but he's getting tired of running. Oh, that's right. So he decides to duck into a nearby high school to hide. <laughs> um, but not before Peter runs across a janitor. Uh, this is a funny interaction. Which yeah. Is foreshadowing, but it's also just like funny. Peter, who's sad because, oh, I, hang on. I love this too. After he breaks the date with Liz Allen and he's glum because he had to do that, his high school teacher just yells at him. Yeah. Parker, stop daydreaming in class. <laughs> The kid behind him. I think Flash Thompson's laughing about it behind him. (laughs) These teachers turn on Peter. (laughs) Like I was one of the good kids in my high school. I was, or uh, I was smarter. I did good on my uh, tests and everything. So I sort of got away with like not paying attention in class. And though, yeah, yeah, you had some credibility. Not Peter Parker. I I love how mean the world is to him. It's it's very funny to me, Um, and relatable when you're a kid reading these comics. Okay, so and then Peter. Sandman's about to duck into Peter's high school. Peter walks by a janitor because uh, he's supposed to be bringing dirty lab equipment to the janitor or something. And yeah. the janitor's response, leave him there, Sonny. I'll get rid of him as soon as I adjust this new king-size vacuum cleaner. Yeah. And uh, uh, just jumping ahead, this is going to be my favorite stanism of the issue is Peter's thought bubble response. He doesn't know how lucky he is. No worries except keeping this school clean. No nutty villains to chase like I have. Uh, yeah, one of the main things you associate with school janitors is a worry-free life. Yeah, people look at janitors and are like, oh, if only. You got it made. Um, okay, so we the Sandman has entered the high school, and there's yep. a, kind of a fun interaction between him and the high school principal. Yeah, I'm glad you noted this because it's 100% what struck me when I was rereading this uh, last night. Uh, is this principal is a badass. And also the principal's wearing the same blue suit that Peter Parker wears. <laughs> yeah, it makes Peter look even worse. So Peter's a real kiss ass. He's wearing the principal's suit. Yeah, but, the, um, but this famous criminal that's been on a crime spree in the city bursts into a classroom 
that the principal's in. The principal recognizes him. He says, it's the Sandman. Yeah. I also love that the Sandman, when he when he comes in, his thought bottle is, uh-oh, the blammed room is packed. And I think like that was comics code language for damned. Yeah, it's like some sort of curse. Like bl- a lot of Marvel heroes, and I think a lot of comic book heroes, will say the word blammed. It's spelled like blamed, B-L-A-M-E-D. That's not a real word, right? That's like a made-up slang word just for comics. I mean, maybe it was. It's like saying Mother Ducker or something, right? It's like you're... It may have been a real thing in the 60s. I really don't know. Uh, I was negative 15? No, negative 12 at this point. I I don't know. I I watched Mad Men. Don Draper's never like, this blamed advertising. Yeah, but there's also something... uh, They talked about this when they made Deadwood, where they curse all the time. Um, yeah. And they talk about how they didn't really curse that much back then. The curses they said back then, you wouldn't think of as curses now. You know what? I looked it up. It is a word. It's real. Yeah. yeah. So like I'm a lot wrong. of times, like when people do old Westerns or old movies, they up the cursing to give it the feel of what those curses would have felt like. And uh, it's and it's pronounced blamed, not blamed. So I thought it was like trying to sound like damned. I was wrong in every way is what I'm saying. So the blamed room is packed. Yeah. Start using it that way, Will. I'll, st- I'll try to work it in. Bring it so back. So Sandman's come into a classroom full of students. The principal recognizes him and stands up to him. Immediately. Oh, the Sandman wants a diploma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> He's like, well, as long as I'm here, I might as well get a diploma. I never graduated school. Maybe this is my chance to get a diploma. I mean, it's pretty. Fun. It's a pretty funny move. Yeah, and the principal doesn't give it. Like, that's nothing. Give me a piece of paper that says I graduated. Who cares? The principal says, nothing could make me do that. A diploma must be earned. Your threats can't make me violate my trust or my duties. I know, it's like the most honorable principal. He deserves Thor's hammer. <laughs> the kids know it, too. They're like, yeah. listen to him stand up to the Sandman. Now there's, yeah, man, a, there's a man with guts. Yeah. Uh, and so the salmon's going to punch him out. And I got to imagine they, uh, for the rest of the uh, time in school, they must be like, we've got the best principal. He also tells them to get out and he's going to hold them off. Oh, yeah. Uh, get out of here. Call the police. I'll hold them off till you get safely out. Like this is teacher of the year. If you ask if me. If Spider-Man like, didn't show up, I think the principal's a superhero. I mean, in a way. Or he he's dies. a real hero. So he gets then killed. Spider-Man sort of steals. He, Spider-Man is a showboater. He's really stealing the principal's moment. Yeah, maybe J. Jonah Jameson is right. It's going to be all about Spider-Man. Spider-Man comes leaping in at this moment and knocks Sandman over. Uh, yeah, we I don't guess see Peter Parker notice the Sandman's here, right? We don't see no, that happen. We don't, we but don't see the old, like, I got to get out of here. It's told to us in a caption box that Peter Parker overheard it and changed. But it's great that we don't see it because it just lets this arrival just happen very fast. So now we get the really fun sequence, and I love that they contrived this, which is Peter Parker, dressed up as Spider-Man, gets to knock out the Sandman in front of the same kids who were just making fun of him. Yeah. It's really fun. It's also interesting because Peter, our Spider-Man, in his thought balloons, keeps thinking of them as kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't think it's intentional, but, like, Spider, it's, when he's Spider-Man, he's an adult. Right. Uh, Or he feels Uh, like an adult. When he's Peter Parker, he's one of the kids. He's like... Can't take a chance of any of these kids getting hurt. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, you're right about that. He subconsciously thinks of himself as an adult. Um, and this is definitely like a really satisfying like power fantasy thing when you're a kid reading these comics. Like the chance to secretly be a complete badass in front of 
all of your classmates. Uh, it's just super fun to read. It's a great comics story. Uh, and also, Spidey is good about manipulating Sandman's powers. He's already starting to outsmart him. Yeah, uh, it's fun watching him explore uh, what to do with his power, what to do with his powers against these powers. He, I, um, I love this whole sequence. So first, uh, uh, this this fight in the school is really fun. It's great. Uh, the confined space of the high school rooms makes for kind of fun composition the drawings are great uh spidey cocks his fist which he knows will make sandman like harden his face and then once he knows he's done that instead of hitting him he grabs the hardened skull of sandman and uses it to throw him through a door yep gets him away from the kids to protect now they're in the hallway kids of course come running out to watch the fight sandman's doing what becomes sort of a classic sandman move which is to make his hands into big blocks yeah, and try to crush Spider-Man. Yeah, he's like a he's like a weird, huge machine with pistons that have anvils at the end, just pounding, trying to pound away at Spider-Man as they run through the hall. Yeah, and then Spider-Man lures him into the gym so he's got room to jump around. That's always a big thing for Spider-Man. He needs the room to maneuver. Yep. Gets, he likes getting you into warehouses. He I, likes getting I remember into- uh, uh, in the Secret Wars storyline where he fights somebody and they get really mad at him for jumping around so much. He's, and I think Spider-Man makes a joke about, like, would you rather we fought in a closet or something like that? Yeah. And uh, as a kid, I think that for me was like realizing, oh, yeah, one of his advantages is his speed. So he doesn't want that being taken away from him. Um, so they keep fighting. Spider-Man messes up, though. He tries to punch him. Sandman does his classic, makes his torso soft. So Spidey's fist goes right through him and then traps his arm inside of his body. Yeah, he hardens his body around Spider-Man's arm. Sandman, no internal organs. No internal organs, yeah. He doesn't need his lungs or his heart at any moment. Uh, Now he's got Spider-Man sort of trapped in himself, and he starts, like, hitting, headbutting Spider-Man. Yeah, with with his ironclad skull. Uh, But Spidey, uh, again, now that Sandman has firmed up himself, he backs up and sort of throws Sandman over his head to crush his head into a stairway. Yeah, I guess a very strong stairway. Yeah, I guess a super oak, very sturdy uh, banister. Yeah, and he shatters the Sandman into just a pile of loose sand. Right, and so now Sandman's kind of doing like a Plastic Man, Mr. Fantastic sort of thing where he's like just surrounding him with in a, in a big sheet, like sort of a flexible sheet. Yeah, he covers him up. And This is a good fight. This, this is, is a, a good fight. fight. It's a great fight. Uh, yeah, um, he covers Spider-Man up. Spider-Man sort of balls himself up. And now look, he's just basically a ball of sand surrounding Spider-Man. And I, and I have no way to prove this, but I believe that Ditko thought from the fight backwards when he created the villain. He's like, what would be a good thing to draw? Oh, a guy who can like change his shape and do all these things with my very acrobatic hero. That sets up for a good fight. Um, okay, so then now Spider-Man's come up with a plan to finish off the Sandman once and for all in this fight. Yeah, he rolls down into the basement, <clears throat> knocking himself free from the ball of sand. With his, all these tools. That's right. And he makes and a so big he, boast about using an electric drill to bore yeah, through the Yeah, this electric sand drill will bore through anything, so you better keep your distance, Sandman. Uh, but it's another bait and switch, because Sandman just turns himself to dust to be so that the drill is harmless. But that's exactly what Spider-Man wanted. Right, because earlier we had learned about the king-sized vacuum cleaner. <laughs> yep. Uh, so he grabs that and sucks in the Sandman. <laughs> I like I like when the story requires them to like make a big deal about something that's probably not really a big deal, like king sized vacuum cleaner, as if that's like something really magical. 
or you know the chameleon's multi-pocketed vest. Yeah. Um, okay, he uses the vacuum cleaner and sucks up Sandman, and somehow that that works. He's yeah. contained. I guess because it's like an industrial strength. Yeah, I guess like he can't reform into his body because he doesn't have room to do it. I guess. Yeah, I'll allow it. Yeah, Sandman's trapped in the vacuum cleaner, and that's why a kid. Do a at weird all. Thing it made complete sense as a kid. Yeah. I also, um, like, also just, I also like this last panel, um, the last two panels, basically, where this conversation, yeah. Spider-Man's like, so you wanted a diploma, eh? And Sandman says, what's that got to do that? with anything? Yeah. <laughs> just this. Here's the first part of your education, courtesy of your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, mm-hmm. as he sucks him into the vacuum. And the Sandman just goes, oh. <laughs> 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 That's why you brought up the diploma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. Yeah. I don't know why um, the same is saying oh, but it really cracks me. <laughs> uh, then Spider-Man does something weird. He fakes a bunch of photos. Yeah, because he forgot to take photos. He didn't have time to set up his camera, which it's it's a very weird choice. Like they could have easily just said before I jumped in the room, I set up a camera. There's something in in, a, in issues coming up where Peter has to like fake things, and he feels bad for doing it. So he's he's not above being unethical when it when he has got to make his paycheck. Yeah, I don't think this ever backfires against him in the uh, main title. I feel like Untold Tales did a story where it backfired on him. Yeah. Where it got, it got found out that these were fake photos, maybe. Um, um, but these would be lame photos. Yeah, he's like throwing sand in the air and just like jumping through it. Yeah, he's um, like punching literal sand. I'm, I doubt they thought about it this much, but I like that Peter Parker is sort of like, I mean, he he wasn't a hero originally. He just wanted to make money as an entertainer. Yeah. There's always an air of desperation about him. Uh, he's on his own totally. So, yeah, he breaks the rules sometimes. I just came him- in the basement and saw this. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? Uh, but, yeah, he sort of justifies it to himself. This really happened a few minutes ago. It can't be unethical. I mean, uh, I don't know um, if I agree with that, but. I don't know if I agree with that either. So, um, but yes. Spider-Man presents Sandman to the cops. He refuses to get close because he doesn't want to file a report because he doesn't want a secret identity to be revealed. Right. And doesn't want to do paperwork. Yeah, he's scared of paperwork. Changes back to Peter Parker and J. Jonah Jameson, who is here at the high school because of the Spider-Man Sandman fight, runs into Peter in his high school. Yeah. And so Peter hands him the pictures that he just faked of Spider-Man fighting Sandman. Right. And here's <laughs> where J. Jonah shows his first real cheapness. Because uh, he hands him the film, says, I didn't have time to have it developed. And J. Jonah Jameson says, don't worry about it. I'll take the cost of developing out of your pay. Yeah. you got to imagine they've got their own dark room at the Daily Bugle. Yeah, I think he could have afforded to uh, pay for it. Um, now, there's kind of a long coda. There's a two-page long coda here. Yeah. Uh, Sandman's cop, but now we deal with some Peter Parker business. Peter Parker returns to the classroom He, of course, was missing for the whole fight, which, of course, everyone assumes it's because he's a coward. Right. Uh, He's also excited that he can go on his date with Liz Allen now because he's freed up his night. He got paid. Sandman's captured. He's given pictures to J. Jonah Jameson. So he comes in and says, um, I can take you out tonight after all. But Liz is too insulted. Yeah. And she's already made another date with Flash Thompson. Yep. Flash still making fun of the umbrella. Peter picks a fight with Flash Thompson. Oh, yeah. This is great. So Flash Thompson insults Peter, says, run along and find your umbrella. And Parker, who just, yeah, he's, he's all worked up. He just, he just subdued a supervillain. Yeah. Grabs Flash. You brainless loudmouth. You've insulted me for the last time. I'm going to wipe that stupid leer off your face right now. And Flash is into it. Well, yeah. well, so the worm finally turned, eh? 
Okay, worm, I've been waiting for this. And then this is this next panel is something that hate Peter Parker so much. Yeah, he really. Uh, I mean, he loathes weakness. That's you know, this is an alpha, and he hates the beta. But uh, th- this next panel is something that when I was a kid definitely like keys into like a another like sort of fantasy, which is Peter can't fight him because he would hurt him too much. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, he would pulverize Flash Thompson. If I got into a fight with a normal guy, I could pulverize him. So he has to pretend to not want to fight and all the kids laugh at him. I mean, he punches a lot of normal people. Yeah. But it would yeah, definitely well, give away that he is very, very strong. Um, well, we'll come back to that in a future issue. There is a little hint of it. The kids, uh, one of the kids tries to like make a joke and say, would you like to help us cross? Would you like us to help you cross the street, Sonny? Maybe we could, uh, making fun of Peter for being like an old grandmother, I guess. But yeah. then when they touch his arm, it's like, hey, what gives? You ought to feel his arm under this jacket flash. Parker's got muscles like a weightlifter. Yeah. Which must be true. He's got to be a rock solid under there, under his blue suit. Under, Yeah. And then also we get a hint of Liz Allen not really hating Peter Parker because as they drive away and Flash is making fun of Liz, she says, that's enough, Flash. You needn't be that cruel to Peter. Yeah, he's making fun of Peter and Liz defends him. Yeah. Uh, And then we see a bunch of people on the street wondering if Sandman is good or bad. They don't know. They can't make up their mind. Spider-Man is good or bad. Yes. Sorry. Um, They know Sandman is bad. Right. that because he captured Sandman, does that mean he's good or is he bad like J. Jonah Jameson says he is? Yeah. Um, so it's after last issue, sort of positive ending. This one sort of ends, even though things went well, Peter's still feeling pretty crummy. Yeah, it's another one of these, what am I doing with my life? Uh, why can't things work out for me? Yeah. Sort of ending. He says, why do I do it? Why don't I give up the whole thing? <laughs> well, you will, Peter, at a future time. And then, uh, the, the last caption box hints at a, a big revelation, not for the character, but for the comic book itself. Uh, you, you won't have to wait long for Spider-Man's next issue. Due to your ever-increasing demand, it will be on sale soon, because this is where Spider-Man goes monthly. They've been bi-monthly, and now the next issue comes out in a month. All right. Way to go, Spider-Man. So we finally made it. So um, let's give out our awards here. What's your uh, favorite panel? Great. Uh, oh, I, I wrote down the pantsless J. Jonah Jameson panel. I think that's just a very funny panel. It's very serious. I also really yeah. like the panel that we just went past where Peter is considering punching uh, uh, Flash, but he's got that sort of drawn with half looking like Spider-Man, half like Peter Parker. Oh, yeah. I really always love when they do that. When it's Since you're inside Peter's thoughts, you see him look like Spider-Man, even though that's not what's happening. Yeah, I love that convention when half of his head is a spider mask and half of his head is Peter Parker. Yeah. Whenever he's like caught between what he should do. Yeah, so I like I like that panel a lot too. So I picked two. Uh, my favorite panel is when Spidey comes in and punches the Sandman by surprise, you know, yeah. saving the principal. That's the best panel in the comic. I uh, You had already chosen that, so I looked for something else. But that is by far the best panel. That yeah, leap in is so great. Um, it's classic Ditko brilliance. It's beautiful. Uh, what's your favorite Stan Leeism? So I had already said this. Uh, it's for me. It's uh, when he's talking about the janitor. He doesn't know how lucky he is. No worries, except keeping this school clean. My favorite Stanley dialogue is when Flash is making fun of Peter at the end. So long, brainwave. Don't let any kindergarten kids run away with your books. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times our favorite lines are Flash Thompson gets a lot of our favorite lines <laughs> It's just so petty So petty and mean um, uh, What's your highlight? My highlight is Spidey almost gets a date 
He asked out Liz yeah. and Ellen and she said yes. It's really, it's really, I, rereading this issue, I was so stunned. I was like, already? Yeah. He's already got it together enough that Liz Allen will go out with him. We didn't see it. Um, I picked for my highlight the first half of this, basically everything up until the vacuum cleaner. Vacuum cleaner is a little dumb, but everything leading up to it is so great. Yeah, it's a great fight. Um, my low light is Sandman's radiation origin. I've just seen enough of people getting bathed in radiation and then getting powers. It's just uh, too lame for me. Yeah, and for me, the low light uh, is the faking of the photographs. I don't actually mind that he faked them, but just the way he's sort of like, this isn't wrong. Uh, yeah, there's no consequences. Peter is so good, uh, uh, you know, follow the rules sort of mentality that it feels yeah. wrong for him to be think it's okay to fake these photos. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, all right. Well, that's uh, that's issue four. That's right. Um, and next issue, we're going to, if he's going to go up against Dr. Doom, he's going to face the Fantastic Four's arch nemesis. And I think Fantastic Four met Dr. Doom in issue five of their series. So Dr. Doom is a real issue five guy. That's his thing, man. Uh, so yeah, that'll be interesting to see him face uh, an established supervillain. It'll be the first yeah. time he's faced one of those. Probably the main villain of the Marvel Universe right now. Yeah. I think he's probably the most famous villain in the Marvel Universe. He's the Lex Luthor of Marvel Comics. Yeah. He's ridiculous in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah. Unfortunately named Von Doom really made it hard for future writers to make him realistic. He's not subtle with his iron mask and his (laughs) uh, dictatorship of a country. He's got a lot going on. Kirby didn't mess around with that stuff. No, not subtle. He's not a subtle villain. There's no nuance to Dr. Doom. Um, but that'll be next month, uh, next, not next episode, rather the next month of the comic next week of the podcast. Um, yeah. So come back next episode and, uh, and, uh, read, read up, read Spider-Man number five before you do. Yeah. And, um, check out our Instagram, uh, oh, screw right. it Spidey. I'm going to post a lot of the images we talked about here. Yes. I'll try to find a picture of Dick Tracy to put next to that uh, Sandman chin just to show right. what we were talking about. I'll show okay. a couple of the other panels. Um, we also have a Twitter account, Screw It Spidey. I'll retweet everything from Instagram there. And we have an email, Screw It Spidey. You can uh, write us. And I would say write us about issue five. I mean, you can write us about issue four as well, but write us about issue five. And if we, we'll I guess we won't get it in time. There's no way we'll get it in time. So uh, I take that back. But write us about future issues of Spider Man. And if we, Get something ahead of time before we record. I'm happy to read it and talk about it, some of that stuff on the air. Um, but I guess you'd be have to start with like issue 12 or something. Uh, we've done a lot of episodes in advance here, but we'll we'll, yeah. we'll be getting closer to recording time as we move on. We'll see how that works. But anyway, write about any of the issues um, uh, of the Ditko run. Yeah, we're, we want to know your opinions. And um, Kevin, good episode. Yeah, Will, you did a good job today. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Uh, see you next episode. Yeah, bye, everyone. Have a good week. Bye. Screw it, screw it, we're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. What's a creative podcast network?